This episode of the Bamboo Pastors podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right, Jalen. Hello. It's good to see you, and uh, just really excited to be recording with you again for the podcast. How have you been? How's your week going? Hey, John. Doing well. Uh, so over the course of the last week, uh, Jenny and I have taken our kids out for dates um, individually. Uh, we try to do that regularly just to make sure that we're connecting with each of our kids, um, helping them feel like they're, you know, listened to, that they're heard, that, you know, uh, we're able to spend good time with them. I think it's, it's, it's been, you know, interesting, obviously, because we're spending most of our time together already, but then just to go out for breakfast and even just that short time, because we bring the food back, even just that short car ride, th- those few minutes of just hearing their perspective on you know, what's going on, what they're, how they're processing things. Uh, even though we have conversations every day, it's so good to, to hear from them and to be reminded that they're actually growing as people. And uh, I'm just grateful for those times. I'm grateful that, you know, my kids are, are growing and that we have these times to, to sit and talk with them. And uh, so I'm, I was, I was grateful for that this week. Probably not great that I had McDonald's like four times for breakfast this week, but nice, you know, that's, it's just a sacrifice that, that we have to make. So mm. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm sure for them having, you know, having some time where they're, they're not fighting for, for your attention or airtime with their siblings is, is probably something that's very enjoyable for them. Cause I know when I hang out with them, they all love to, you know, jibber jabber about stuff. And so I'm sure every now and then having a little bit of alone time is, is good for them with mom or dad. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And we enjoy it too. I think it is, it's good to have them away from each other because, you know, there's always that sibling rivalry too. And they're always trying to one up each other or, you know, get our attention while getting their, the attention of their siblings as well. So it's, it's good to do that. But yeah, how are you doing? How's your week? How have you been? Hmm. You know, I think this week has been one of the, it's been a little bit busier um, for me. It was one of those, you know, nine zoom calls in two days kind of weeks um and then here we are again on zoom recording but i think uh yeah it's that's that's done now so that feels pretty good um uh, something that that happened uh just this afternoon actually i was working on editing one of our previous episodes and um you know during the week i think had had some difficult conversations in ministry about ministry stuff and as i was editing the episode i was re-listening to one of our guests talk about something and the, the crazy thing was that they were addressing the exact situation that i was basically going through and it was such a timely reminder and so i was just laughing to myself as i'm editing like wow you know i lived this episode of the podcast already. And here I am re-listening to it and just really um, being being challenged and really being blessed, I think, by it. So so that was that was a good thing. Yeah. Not trying to pat myself too hard on the back, but it, it was just, I think it was one of those moments where I think the Lord um, brought this back to my attention just as a reminder that 
that he's at work and, and my job is, you know, to be faithful. Yeah, definitely enjoying doing this podcast. And I'm really excited for our guest today. Um, just a, a really funny story that I hope he doesn't mind me sharing. But when I first encountered our guest for tonight, it was randomly the week that I was out here in San Jose to interview for this job that I'm serving in this role that I'm serving in now. And it just so happened that, you know, I was preaching in the English congregation that morning on a Sunday morning, and they wanted me to head down to the Cantonese congregation to, to just say hi to everyone so that the church could get a sense of like who I am, meet me, you know, cause I was in the middle of interviewing and, and all that. And so they asked me to go on stage and like say something in Cantonese, kind of put me on the spot. And so I was like really nervous and I didn't know what to say. So I just said, uh, well, you know, in, I think I said it in Cantonese, but I just said, you know, don't be fooled by this beard. Like I am full Chinese. Like my parents are from Hong Kong, you know, and it got a, a funny, a, a funny <laughs> laugh from the congregation. And as I'm walking off the stage, I look to my left and I notice, oh, it's the, the guest preacher that morning in the Cantonese service happens to be our guest for today. And he himself also is Chinese and has this full beard. So I don't know if, you know, there was just something in that moment where I knew we were going to become friends, get to know each other. I think that beard has since disappeared uh, for him, not for me. But yeah, it's it's really exciting to have our guests on. So our guest today is Daniel Louie. Daniel is the area director of the, the Steinbeck area for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And that area kind of consists of the Santa Cruz and Monterey region uh, of Northern California. So Daniel, uh, welcome to the podcast. Sorry for the slightly longer introduction, but I wanted to add that story in. That's awesome, man. I, I remember that. And that was uh, such a funny moment. And I, I was getting ready to speak. And then all of a sudden, um, I saw the better version of me come up on stage. <laughs> you had a much better trim beard. Uh, your Cantonese was uh, impeccable. Uh, and I usually go up there and share like a really bad Cantonese phrase and they get laughs. I, I did not share my bad Cantonese phrase that day because <laughs> I was like, man, this guy just came up here. <laughs> but I can totally tell that we could jive. Uh, just I, I trust a beard, trust a beard. That's that is right. And I'm sorry if I, you know, you know, messed up your sermon or kind of threw you off that morning. I, I we trust that the Lord will spoke through you regardless of what I did to mess that up at the beginning. So yeah, but it's good to have you on. Oh, I'm so stoked to be here. Thanks, Daniel. Hey, as we start, would you share your ministry journey with us, your calling into ministry and give us an idea of how God led you to where you are? Yeah. So actually, I grew up in that church that uh, John is serving at, San Jose Christian Alliance Church. And uh, I went through growing up there, uh, hearing the call of the Lord to ministry, uh, to be a missionary, actually. Um, and I left there going to college thinking I would become a missionary to China. Uh, so I, I went to college at UC San Diego. Um, I was gung-ho, ready to do it. Uh, took Chinese studies and everything. Thing. But while I was there, uh, the Lord just was doing some amazing things in that chapter of InterVarsity. It, I, we were just seeing folks come to faith left and right. And I just realized, man, I really want to be here. In combination with uh, doing some of my studies, thinking about globalization and uh, what's the changing nature of missions, um, if you know, we believe that the next missions force actually might not come from America, uh, it's actually might be China being sent out to other places. 
Um, shouldn't we be thinking about what it looks like to be a missionary in non-Chinese spaces as a Chinese person? And I had this great abstract thought, and then all of a sudden I realized, oh, that's exactly where I'm at uh, right now. Uh, so I applied to go into InterVarsity staff work, uh, which is what I've been doing for the last, oh gosh, I think this is year 14. And uh, when I first applied, I wanted to do some of the cool big ministries like at UC San Diego, at UCLA. Uh, I applied and then they said, well, actually we think you're better fit for this little community college out in the middle of nowhere. I got a little freaked out by that. I thought maybe they weren't right, but I had a good mentor tell me, go have your friends pray for you and have them listen to the Lord. Unfortunately, my friends were listening to the Lord too, and the Lord wanted me there, and they all said, you got to go. Um, and I was, oh no, what do I do? So I had these crazy dreams, just getting stressed out, knowing that the Lord told me I had to go there. Um, one of those dreams was me actually arguing at my home church with my mom asking me, why are you not going to China? Why are you going to this little community college in this little military town? Uh, what are you doing? Uh, and all I remember, I never dream in Mandarin. Uh, my Mandarin's pretty horrible. Uh, but all I remember was yelling at her, uh, and it's just saying, you don't understand, you don't understand. Um, and then the scene just switched to a cactus with these thorns on them. It got all abstract. And then the thorns exploded in the flowers. Uh, I woke up with this cold sweat. I tell the story about that dream because, um, you know, a few months later, I, the Lord told me, so I better go. And my whole community knows the Lord's calling me. Uh, so I, I don't want to dishonor them. And I go and the small group leader starts to pray for me. And as he's listening to the Lord, he starts uh going, I don't know why, but I get this weird image, and I think it's a confirmation of your call to community colleges, uh, but I just see a cactus with thorns, and then the thorns are exploding in the flowers. Uh, does that mean anything to you? Uh, and then all of a sudden, I was just bawling. I uh, No, no, that doesn't mean anything. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of, the Lord kind of kicked me around and had to kind of grab me out there. Um, but that was maybe, yeah, that was 14, 15 years ago. Um, uh, but, uh, as you can see, I'm still working with InterVarsity uh, and actually in love with community colleges. And that's been my passion, uh, these last 15 years of ministry. Yeah. That's such a, that's such an incredible story, Daniel. And I, I love hearing about how, you know, God used so many different people and situations, um, even, you know, dreams and visions um, to really lead you to where he wants you to be. And, you know, and, and to hear that you've been serving in this ministry um, for, you know, for 14 years, that's, that's just incredible thinking about the impact and uh, uh, life engagement that you've had with college students for over a decade um, and really helping them learn to follow Jesus. That's, that's just incredible. You know, as I'm hearing you talk about, growing up in, in the Chinese church, uh, I'm curious, how did being a part of the Chinese church really form, form you as a follower of Jesus? How did it, uh, yeah, how did it impact your spiritual growth and your calling even? Yeah, I've actually been thinking about that uh, a lot, um, especially uh, thinking through like, why, 
what does my background have to do with what I'm doing in the present, especially not working in Asian contexts. I think one of the biggest things that have formed me in the culture of the Chinese church, uh, most people are don't like this and they actually critique the, the Chinese church about this, but it's actually the Confucianist leanings of the Chinese church. Hear me out. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I think that there's something about my spirituality of uh, when I hear God speak, I know that I have to listen to him. Um, there, when I hear the higher power, the authority speaking, um, I know that I need to listen, even when it doesn't make sense. Uh, I'm trusting that, you know, thinking of, from a very Chinese mindset or, you know, when you watch Hero, for the good of the nation, the, the emperor knows uh, what what is uh, good for the nation. Like the story that I just told about my uh, calling was actually me just knowing that uh, the Lord is in power and that uh, when he is in power, he has good intention for me. Uh, of course, later on in my growth and development as a minister, I had to disentangle the unhealthy sides of that. You know, God is not just an emperor. Uh, he's not just a boss, uh, but he's actually a relational God who loves me. Uh, who actually wants to dialogue with me. It's not just he has said so, and uh, I have to leave it at that. That actually wants to engage with my anger, um, wants to engage with the, the tension that I feel in obeying God. Uh, so those are things that I had to learn later. But I, I would say that obedience and surrender to God uh, actually have some firm roots uh, in all of uh, my upbringing in the Chinese church. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I think that certainly knowing the character of our God as well, it gives us an even greater desire or should give us a greater desire to obey, knowing that he is our father and that he is our creator and that he knows us. And it's not just him giving directions and orders because he thinks it's best, it's, but it's because he knows it's best for us and he knows us um, as we are. And so uh, that's a really good point. Um, in, in specifically with college students, what are some of the cultural values of the Chinese church that have translated well to, to actually engaging with college students? Yeah, I, I think, well, on the surface, um, Chinese churches love food. So do college students. Um, that, that, that's a winner all the time. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I joke about it, but actually, you know, I remember some of my experiences back in in uh, growing up at SJCAC and there, you know, the, the little tight circle of people after service going, so what do you want to eat? No, I don't know. What do you want to eat? No, I don't know. What do you want to eat? Um, until you're so famished, you just give up and go to McDonald's. But the fact that we actually have those conversations at Chinese church, uh, that doesn't happen magically. Uh, and it took me a while to realize all that. Um, but, at, you know, even beyond that, I think, uh, the Chinese church as a place of safety, um, as it's been for previous generations of immigrants. Um, it makes me think a lot actually for this current generation uh, as, I, as we are shifting to Gen Z and we're actually in the thick of Gen Z um, kind of culture uh, that their value right now is safety. And how do we find safety in the midst of all the transition, all the craziness of uh, social media and of, you know, politics out there of coronavirus. Um, how do we find some stability in that? And actually, I think 
that there's some wisdom from uh, creating safe spaces, which ended up being Chinese immigrant churches. Um, I think there's actually some wisdom uh, in a lot of that. How do we find God in the midst of transition, uh, in the midst of chaos? Uh, I think there's a lot that the Chinese church uh, can be saying uh, to this current generation of college students. Yeah, it's really interesting how you are, you've just linked, uh, well, a couple of different things, like, on, like you said, on the surface, like this, this love for food, you know, I, I like to think that that's not just a Chinese church thing, but that's the Chinese church reflecting the heart of Jesus, because how often did Amen. he feed the people that he's, you know, that he was caring for and ministering to, whether it was the 5,000 or the disciples. Um, but then also, as you're saying, like how, how Gen Z, they, they really desire safety and Chinese churches in, in and of themselves were grown out of that same desire by immigrant families wanting to have a safe place to be together and to not just learn to follow Jesus, but learn to follow Jesus while also uh, navigating and preserving their culture in many ways. Um, mm -hmm. What I find interesting, though, is that oftentimes some like college students, at least this is my my own experience, is college students who grew up in the Chinese church. Now they they look back at that experience, not as a safe place to return to, but as something that feels like, yeah. oh, this is my parents, um, yep. you know, my my parents thing. And or it was good for me in a season, but now I'm looking for something different. And, and so how do you, you know, how, I, I guess like students who specifically come from Chinese churches, are there any specific challenges that you, you see them encountering? I know that in your yeah. work, you're not just ministering to Chinese students, but I'm sure that you have a lot of interaction with them as well. Yeah. And actually there was a season I had actually moved back to the Bay area for about uh, three or four years for my work with InterVarsity. And I, I actually became one of those people returning, not immediately after college. Um, I think, well, one way for the Chinese church to ex understand the experience and maybe those that are returning to the Chinese church is that folks that have been in college, it's almost like they've been on a long missions trip uh, for four years. And they've been learning new, uh, not just a new culture, but several new cultures. Um, and they've been learning more about uh, what, how the world works. Uh, for folks that stay in the faith, they are learning about faith expressions from people that uh, uh, love Jesus in different ways. Um, so they are gaining this new culture and they don't realize that they themselves are changing uh, at the same time. And it's a lot of similarities with missionaries coming back uh, to the States and having reverse culture shock. Uh, so how do we actually create safe spaces for people to talk about what they experience, not get discounted uh, for the things that they experience outside of home? How do uh, people that are returning not just get defensive every time they see the old Thing. That took a lot of discipline uh, on my part. Uh, just actually having the same listening posture that I had to learn in college, uh, have it back at home because actually uh, it's now crossing cultures because we, you have gone through three to five years of not being at home and you yourself have changed uh, so much. Uh, and then I would say the follow-up for that is 
how do we let that, uh, that transformation that um, students have experienced, how do we uh, integrate that back into the church instead of uh, muting out uh, the new experiences that they've had, but actually adding that to the mix and saying, oh, wow, maybe this expands uh, how we can love Jesus. And maybe the things that they're bringing in can expand uh, who we're reaching and who we're loving uh, as a church. So I think there's actually a rich opportunity in there, but uh, it's a very difficult reverse culture shock uh, to navigate. Yeah, that's, man, that's such a, a, uh, an excellent insight that, that you just shared. And I, I really don't want our listeners to miss it. I don't want to, I don't want to miss it, but how you talked about that when they leave and, and return, we really have to think about like, what does reentry look like for these college students the same way that you would approach that for, uh, you know, an IW or international worker that's coming back on, on furlough or on a home assignment for a little while that, that, that culture shock can be so jarring. And then if you don't know what to do with it as a church, you know, you can really miss out on caring for these students who are coming back. But I also like how you said that on the other side of it is for, you know, for college students to, to be very gracious in the way that they express, like just that they have changed and grown and maybe the church yeah. at home has not changed in the same ways and to, to respond with patience and, and grace rather than like, why aren't, you know, being frustrated? Why aren't they different? Um, because I, I certainly feel like I experienced that myself as a college student when I was, you know, uh, I, I spent two years of college at university of Illinois in Urbana champaign. And, you know, I was in, countering for the first time a church that was not like the one that I had grown up in and going back, it was easy to kind of have all these ideas of like, well, you should do it this way. And you forget that, you know, the Lord, same Jesus, but he's going to work in different ways in different places. And so we need to respond with grace in that. So I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah. And I think realistically how that happens is that relationship continues as the college student is in college, right? I think for the church to be able to hear from the college student um, and for the college student to be able to communicate back with their home church. Uh, how, how do you, how do you think, Daniel, how, how do you think churches can be better equipped to minister to their college students, even while they're away? I do think that there is a balance here of, you know, like in any parenting or leadership of nurture and challenge. Right. Um, and I think that there is a certain degree of nurture at exactly what you're saying. Keep in contact with them. Let them know that they are just extended family far away. Uh, but I think that there's also uh, some practical things of actually releasing and saying, actually, I challenge you, uh, find out more about Jesus. Let him root in your heart more. Make him not just uh, your parents' faith, but make him your own because this is your opportunity. So there is a simultaneous like nurturing of uh, maintaining family, but also uh, sending out and saying, uh, actually, now's the time for you to take hold of your faith uh, for yourself. And we want to let you know that we welcome that unique individual voice that you will bring back. Uh, I think that there has, there's that kind of balance between those communal values and then those individualistic 
um, there's actually a thing. I think there's a, such a thing as redeemed individuality, right? And that the Lord might be doing something really unique uh, with that college student uh, as they're going out uh, to come back and maybe bless the church. So, you know, at my previous church, a lot of the students that were that were leaving the youth group, going to college, ended up in, you know, campus fellowships, and they had significant impact on these young people. And I will admit, there were times when, as a youth pastor of a local church that also was involved in the young adult and college ministry at my church, there were times when I would get a little frustrated because I'd have all these college students that were having these great you know, experiences in college, and then they'd come back from their campuses and they would make like a, a campus, like a small group, just with the people from their campus, rather than really participating <laughs> in the life of the, the college group at their church. And, and that's not me, you know, trying to be like, oh, you got to be a part of our church. But I felt like there was, while that was great, I know they want to continue the momentum of the school year. I felt like there's a lot of local churches that can, can benefit from what God has been doing among you. And and, you know, we want to plug you in because the church, the whole church, right, they need to see across many generations, need to see what God is doing among you. You're needed for them to grow uh, and to yeah. learn, not just like you need us, but we need you. And so sometimes that was hard to, to communicate with college students because maybe they're so used to, to being with people who are in very similar stage of life. So I guess my question is, how do the how does the local church really partner with, you know, college campus ministries in a way that it's not just feeling like, not that they're adversaries, but like we send them off to, yes. to college and then it's hit or miss. We don't know if they're going to come back invest, but like, how do we grow that partnership for the long term? Again, not to, just to retain people, but to be kingdom minded so that when they come yes. and then wherever they go, that, yes. that God is going to do something, plant them in places where they can they can live out the kingdom there. Yeah, I, I think that college is an interesting time. I, I describe it to some parents ask me all the time, freaked out about their children going to college. And I go, it's actually like junior adulthood. You're actually being an adult for the first time. The thing that happens in these college groups is that they're actually in a system that they are actually called to be the leaders. There might be a staff or two out there, but they're actually the leaders of uh, this movement on their campus. If, if their campus fellowship is healthy, um, there, there are some unhealthy fellowships. Um, but if their fellowship is healthy, they're actually being empowered uh, to love friends, lead small groups, uh, do these things. Uh, so they, when they're brought back to home church situations and not knowing if there's a platform for them, uh, I've seen a lot of students just go ahead and I'll just start my own thing. Um, let me just go ahead and do this. Um, and I think it takes a lot of creativity and forethought of like, how do I, for churches thinking, how do I welcome these students back? Let them know that actually I want to see your leadership because before um, they've probably just been part of youth groups uh, that uh, actually it's appropriate for the age, but it's adults serving uh, the students and leading the students and having the power. And uh, I think college students, when they come back, they're not sure if the relationship will be the same. Will they just be talked down at uh, or will they be seen as equal partners? And, you know, they're in their 20s. The wild 20s can be a little crazy. It's when we first start realizing 
like, oh yeah, I have a voice. Uh, and sometimes people in their twenties go a little overboard. I, I did. Um, so I think it's uh, the, the church, I think has to kind of realize that there's kind of an energy there. And if you squash it, uh, those folks, when they're all angry and everything, and not every 20 year old is angry, but when there's more passion, they kind of fight against that. Uh, and if you don't give them space, all of a sudden they'll start their own things. Um, I, I think though on both ends, whether it's a campus ministry or a church, uh, I think it's actually American Christianity. We have way too much ego stuck on, do I continue, do I, are they under my banner or are they under their banner? Um, are they under InterVarsity's banner or the local churches? Or actually in parachurch, it's, are they under InterVarsity, crew, uh, navigators? And uh, in the end, I think, it's, I think that spirit of competition just, just is not the, the spirit of the kingdom. It just, we just start fighting over the scraps instead of asking the real questions of who aren't we reaching yet? And we might not be the ones reaching those folks, but uh, can we actually empower more people to do it? Or, or, you know, like if a church has a really big youth group, for me, it's always a, like uh, a discipleship challenge from the Holy Spirit saying, hey, that church's college group might be pretty dandy. <laughs> like you might need to just be okay that they're really big and not feel insecure about it. There are other non-Christians out there and, uh, and other college students that uh, Jesus might be calling you to. Uh, so I, I think that there's also just, a, I think in terms of how church works, there, there just has to be a surrender of ego in the name of the, the mission field, which is uh, uh, students. Yeah, I appreciate having that sort of kingdom mindset right? Not that we're trying to gather people for our own little kingdoms or, you know, as you said, you know, place them under our banner or that ministry's banner, but to recognize that we're all part of God's kingdom. I, I think, John, you said that as well, how we can work together for the kingdom. What I've really appreciated about InterVarsity, at least with a lot of the uh, InterVarsity groups um, here in, Chicago, in the Chicago area, is their desire to work with churches. And I've had multiple staff workers and area directors contact our church and say, Hey, you guys are in a, in a good location, uh, here in the Northern part of Chicago. How can we partner with you? I'm wondering, are there ways that you have connected your community colleges to local churches and what does that look like? How have you worked together with local churches? Yeah, actually, uh, local churches are super important to community colleges because they're, they're different from the four-year school where, folks are kind of stuck in a bubble and then they kind of have that, uh, what I ex uh, explained as that re return culture shock. Um, community college students are just integrated in the community and they're not gonna leave their churches. They're gonna stay part of their churches. Um, so I, I think it's a totally different ball game. I think that um, our work in the Bay Area, actually when I moved back, uh, we planted six community college chapters. And the way that we started um, that ministry, we had to surrender our colonizing tendencies and that uh, thinking that we would be the first people to a campus, but actually realized there's actually churches around each of those campuses that we're trying to plant that have been there, have probably been praying for those uh, campuses. So actually the planters that I supervised 
uh, who are up there actually made it a point to talk to each and every, as many churches as they could uh, surrounding a campus and saying, hey, we're thinking of coming here and uh, we want to know what your read of this place is. Have you started anything? Have you tried anything? Uh, and if you haven't tried anything, do you want to join us? Uh, so actually those chapters have gone through so many staff uh, just because of high transition uh, staff having babies. But because of the work of those first uh, planters, uh, they built this network of churches that uh, bring volunteers out to help lead Bible studies, that provide food, uh, that provide funding for new staff that want to come over there. Uh, so there's actually a really cool ecosystem and kind of community um, teamwork that happens between church and parachurch in a lot of these community college chapters. Wow, Daniel, you know, I, I feel like I could listen to you talk about college ministry for a long, long time and just sense your heart for the people that you're serving. And that's so awesome. I think just as we wrap up, though, uh, we, we usually like to end with this question. But what is one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that is either currently serving in a Chinese church or maybe has come from a Chinese church and is now entering into some sort of ministry, whether it's a, a parachurch ministry or local church ministry, what, what would you say to them? I did a little stint as an intern at a Chinese church once. And I, well, this is very practical. Just don't get caught up in the politics of it all. Um, the, the elders might want to fight you on some things, but like, it ain't worth it. Um, concentrate on the lost. Um, concentrate on the people that God has called you to pastor. Um, if you make it about organizational arguing or politics, you know, there, there are situations where it can get toxic at a lot of Chinese churches that, you know, on, in those situations, take care of yourself, be aware of yourself. Uh, but I would also say, don't make your job about proving those folks wrong, uh, especially in for folks that are in those tense kind of um, Chinese church uh, situations. Um, but I think my biggest thing to any minister uh, whether in a Chinese church or in a church in a ministry of any sort um, is, yeah, make it about love for the lost, but also make it about love for Jesus. Uh, don't do it for anything else. There's so much that the American church um, or the immigrant church or whatever narrative you listen to tells you to do ministry for. But actually, we need to be doing ministry because we're people in love with Jesus uh, not in love with ministry. Uh, once you become in love with ministry, ministry becomes your master, not Jesus. So that would be my biggest advice. Do it because you love Jesus. That's a great word. Really appreciate that and really encouraged by that reminder. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, we definitely want to pray blessings over your ministry and the work that you're doing with campuses. So thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.